you do it right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. And update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 U.S. only. Grassy Knoll's got a gun. He's gonna shoot the president. Holy smokes, I've gotta do something. All right, Lee, time to become an American hero. news for you. Dylan wouldn't be on, he wouldn't be around today if not for me. He fucking told me that his career was in decline and he also repeated that in Chronicles or in the early 1970s. He was deeply in debt and uh, it was my shenanigans that brought his career back to life. The possibility exists that without A.J. Weberman Bob Dylan wouldn't be on his eternal tour like he's doing today. Okay? That's the reality of the situation. I revived his motherfucking career. And that's the bottom line. What's up, everybody? And welcome to episode number 106 of the Lone Gunman Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Clark. And this is the Oswald Code. Now, full disclosure, okay, I approached Alan Weberman to come on my show a couple months ago and to talk about his new book, The Oswald Code. Um, I've had people ask me about it, questioning it, what I thought about it, um, you know, so I approached him, you know, because we're friends on Facebook. I said, hey, man, uh, would you like to come on the show and talk about your book? And the response I got back was, <clears throat> um, no, because you have Jew-hating 9-11 conspiracy theorists on your show. And I'm like, what? <laughs> okay, this is news to me. I'm like, who exactly are you referring to? Uh, and he didn't answer me. So I, I sat back. I said, look, you know, all that. I said, whatever you think, you know, aside, I said, this is a Kennedy assassination podcast. Okay, I don't. I don't control what my guests think 
or what they might believe on their own time. I said, but that has never been discussed on this show. I assure you of that. And we won't get into that. I said, I don't promote any of that stuff on this show. I said, it's purely Kennedy assassination stuff. I said, and you've talked to guys like Jerry Hemming, um, you know, guys like Lauren Hall, guys like uh, Frank Sturgis, you know, you've E. Howard Hunt sued you. I was like, you know, you're a part of the, the assassination lore history. You're a figure. You're a part of it. You got to meet all these people. It would be interesting to talk to you about your experiences and your new book and, you know, generate some interest in it. And <clears throat> I got no response. So fast forward a couple months. I now have in my hot little hands, hot off the presses, the Oswald Code by Alan Jules Weberman. Okay? So, we're going to be talking about it tonight. And I played the little clip for you at the beginning of the show. For those not familiar with A.J. Weberman, um, just so you can catch a little bit of a glimpse of his personality. You know, he's not the, uh, he's not the nicest guy in town. Um... And if if you look up any of his interviews, you know, with uh, uh, Jerry Patrick Hemming, <clears throat> um, you know, you can catch some more of it. Um, and I will post a video over on TLGpodcast.com of A.J. Weberman talking about his new book, The Oswald Code. It's about 12 minutes long, um, so you can hear it from him in his own words, okay, because I want to be fair here. Because what you're going to hear today is my opinion of this book and the information contained within it. Now, A.J. Weberman himself has put a lot of this stuff out on the Internet, on YouTube, on websites. And it's not like I'm going to be giving away any secrets or, you know, telling you anything that, that you know, you won't have to buy the book for because... Honestly, um, the book contains some very high-resolution, large scans of Oswald's address book. And I'm talking damn near every page in it. It's loaded with documents, pictures, photographs, and we'll get into all that, I promise. Um, you know, so... Just for that alone, you know, I would uh, highly recommend, you know, if, if this is the type of thing you want, you want to check out, to get his book. You know, I'm not recommending anybody doesn't get his book. Um, you know, it's good to have it um, for reference because there's a lot of good information in it. There's documents in it. There is, like I said, high resolution scans of uh, Oswald's address book. And if there's any clues in them, you know, this is the best that you're ever going to see um, scans of Oswald's address book, you know. And right on the cover is a picture supposedly developed uh, from Minox Film found among Lee Oswald's possessions at Ruth Payne's garage 
undeveloped. There was two rolls of undeveloped Minox film and AJ Weberman had them developed and on the cover of this book and this picture is on the internet and you can see it for yourself <clears throat> is allegedly a photograph of Jerry Patrick Hemming on the right hand side. And I'll put this photo up over on TLGpodcast.com so you can check it out for yourself. It is supposedly a picture of Jerry Patrick Hemming uh, with a Filipino kind of between his legs with a garret around his neck. And he's posing for a picture shirtless with, with a bunch of other Marines. And supposedly this came from Oswald's camera. Now, I will tell you this, you know, if, if this picture came from these undeveloped rolls of Minox film found among Lee Oswald's possessions, and this is, um, Jerry Hemming on the right hand side, I mean, you can't see his face. It's just a profile. You can see the side of his face, side of his head, um, you know, then, you know, that's interesting. And, and <laughs> you know, it, it's just hard to say. You know, it's hard to make a positive identification on, on something like this with a profile picture. Um, to me, the guy doesn't look big enough. But, I mean, Jerry Hemming was six foot seven. I mean, he was a big dude, big, big dude. And in the picture, this figure appears to be maybe six, three, six, four. I don't know, but we'll get to that, you know, and let me just read you the bio on the back of the book, just to, in fairness. The Oswald Code is based upon the three most important pieces of evidence in the November 22nd, 1963 coup d'etat in America. Oswald's address book, the photographs of E. Howard Hunt, Frank Sturgis, and David Chris disguised as tramps, being detained an hour after Kennedy was assassinated, and the photographs I had the National Archives develop from a row of undeveloped Minox film found among Oswald's possessions. The address book contains the names of the men Oswald was working with prior to being used as a patsy in the Kennedy uh, assassination. Uh, well, there's a big typo. Uh, disguised as Russian words. There are just too many for this to be a coincidence. A.J. Weberman worked as a researcher for Congressman Henry Gonzalez and for Senator Richard Schweiker in connection with the assassination of JFK. Weberman coined the words garbology and Dylanology, which have found their way into the American lexicon. The man who invented the Lee Harvey Oswald legend, Jerry Patrick Hemming, was a de facto co-author, as was E. Howard Hunt, who sued Weberman, giving Weberman federal subpoena power, which allowed him to depose the figures he suspected of complicity in the coup. Hunt made a deathbed confession to his son, St. John, admitting he was part of the big event that he had earlier denied in the lawsuit. So, I'm assuming Weberman feels vindicated uh, for that. Now, <clears throat> before we get to the book... Okay, I want to cover some things that, uh, you know, proof. You know, it's always good to have documentation on things. 
And I will say this for Weberman, he provides it. Okay. Now, back on November 26th, 1963, we have a property clerk's invoice receipt. Homicide Bureau, Dallas Police Department of J.P. Adamchik, R.S. Stovall, and Gus Rose. And this lists some of the stuff that was found in Oswald's rooming house. And among these were articles including uh, some of these words I can't really make out. Uh, Nippon Goku Gokugu binoculars, whatever the hell that is, and one sunbeam 7 by 10 screen, three rolls 35 millimeter colored film expired, two or exposed, I'm sorry, two unexposed rolls 35 millimeter colored films one roll 620 plus x film exposed one leather case with stereo realist filters uh rolls of undeveloped minox film two rolls of apparently exposed minox films okay and this is just the uh, the partial uh police inventory so it's right here in the Dallas property clerk's receipt of articles taken from his rooming house, or I guess maybe found in the garage um, of Ruth Payne on November 26th, 1963. And I'll post this over on the website too, so everybody can see it. Um, now in 1978, June 12th, the United States Department of Justice, FBI, sent Mr. Weberman a letter. And in it, it says this, Dear Mr. Weberman, Reference is made to your Freedom of Information Privacy Act request for copies of the photographs developed from the Minox film found in the personal possessions of Lee Harvey Oswald by the Dallas Police Department. Enclosed are copies of the photographs from our files inasmuch as the material you requested is of great historical interest these pages are being released to you without excisions sincerely yours alan mccrate chief freedom of information privacy acts branch record management division fbi okay and i'll put this up over there because that's interesting so legitimately we have proof that A.J. Weberman obtained, or that there actually was, undeveloped rolls of Minox film found in Oswald's possessions, and that A.J. Weberman did have them developed through the FOIA request, and they were sent to him. We have documentation from the FBI. So, there's that. Um, now, here's where things start to get a little murky in this book. Um, steganography. It's the art of hiding information in plain sight. 
Steganology is science of unearthing stegan- steganographical content. The advantage of steganography over cryptography alone is that the intended secret message does not attract attention to itself as an object of scrutiny. Oswald was adept at steganography and steganographically encoded the names of organizations and men he was covertly associating with prior to his being framed as the Patsy in the crime of the century in his address book. Using the steganological method, uh, he was able to decode the address book and crack the Oswald code, thus revealing these incriminating names for the first time. Okay. Now, Steganography is nothing new. It was, uh, it's been around for a while. And for example, um, taking the second letter in each word, the following message emerged. I mean, uh, if there's a message that says, apparently, neutrals protest is thoroughly discounted and ignored. Uh, this man hard hit blockade issue effects pretext for embargo on byproducts ejecting Suez and vegetable oils. So basically, you take this nonsensical message by some German spy in World War II, and you take the second letter in each word. The following message emerges Pershing sales from New York, June 1st. So. <clears throat> You know, it's it's a very complicated code-breaking method. Now, apparently, in 1968, Alan Weberman discovered steganographic images on the cover of Bob Dylan's John Wesley Harding LP. The cover contains superimposed hidden pictures. Okay? And supposedly he found it. He found a... Uh, a gunman pointing a rifle uh, with, with a light-colored blade in the hat of the Native American on the cover. So if you look at the hat of the Native American on the cover, supposedly you can see a man, uh, a little image of a man holding a gun. Now, some of this can be merely coincidence, paradelia type stuff. Um, you know, but look, Weberman believes it. You know, for example... He says the name Fiorini, Frank Sturgis's name before he changed it, appears in Oswald's address book. Okay, now in Oswald's arrest, or I'm sorry, in Oswald's address book, the passage says Russ dot. So it's a Russian abbreviation. Russ for foreign, F O R I N, comma. AA54. Okay. And then it says a MIP pass 1733. And then it says for radio. And then it has a box around something that says, it looks like ARINB. Or like Marina. Or I don't know what some of it's. Scratched out on the ends. I mean, if 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 you've ever looked at Oswald's address book, it's it's a it's like a nonsensical mishmash of Russian stuff, um, 
you know, notes, people's names, phone numbers, uh, you know, just non, it's, there's, there's really no, there's really no pat pattern to, to how he puts information in there or how things get recorded. Now I will say this, that I do not, I definitely do not agree with AJ Weberman when it comes to his, uh, when it comes to his uh, analysis of the tramps, okay, I don't believe that he has it correct that it's E. Howard Hunt and Frank Sturgis and uh, David Christ. I just, uh, I can't get with that identification. These people just don't look anything like, you know, what these people are alleged to look, to look like. You know, he has pictures of Frank Sturgis beside the tramp and you know it's quite clear Frank Sturgis has a much larger prominent chin um, his ears are larger than the tramp his face when you look at his eyes they have a his, his brow line kind of slopes upward from both sides and the tramps is more flat across like a Frankenstein type brow you know this Tramp's got dark circles under his eyes, you know, and, you know, Frank, Frank does a little bit, but not to the extent that this guy does. And the noses, I don't believe are a match. You know, this Tramp's got lines, you know, smile lines and then Sturgis really doesn't, um, you know, to me, it's just not a match visually and neither is the hunt. Neither is the E. Howard hunt identification. And, you know, I talked about all this back in December when I did a show called Hunting Sturgis, um, putting most of these rumors and myths to bed. Um, so if you want to go back and listen to that, you can get my full analysis on that. But back to the book, The Oswald Code. Um You know, he says he finds all all these names in in the book, like Ann Egerter, like uh, James Angleton, David Atley Phillips, Frank Fiorini, um, you know, E. Howard Hunt. You know, he claims to find all these names in Oswald's address book. And I'm sorry, but to me, a lot of it is a real, real stretch. Now, he lays it out and he explains it in his own way, in his own little steganographic way, you know, of of what of what we're looking at here. But, you know, I, I really don't know what to make of it. I mean, this is, quite frankly, out of my realm of understanding. And to my untrained, you know, mind and eye, I don't see it, you know. Is it close to Fiorini? Maybe. You know, is it... But, you know, how would Oswald know who in the hell Ann Egerter is? Or James Angleton? I mean, it's it's kind of mind-blowing. And, of course, he says Jerry Hemming's name is, is, is in the address book. Now, we'll touch on... Because one of the first things in the book that, we, that, that is introduced... And I will admit is interesting 
Okay, and uh, probably probably the best part of the book, um, because m- uh, most of the book is, of course, these these figures that appear in Oswald's dress book. Okay, um, but the first part is a little section about. Invisible ink. Okay. Now, let me read this to you. This is a, uh, a, a note, an FBI note from 112763 about item 373. This item is composed of miscellaneous Russian and American made pharmaceuticals. A fever thermometer of Russian make and two eyedroppers and a German coin, one Fennig. Nothing unusual was found concerning these items. There are 31 samples of pharmaceuticals, each sample of which could be used to prepare and or develop a secret ink message. Now this is from an official FBI memo saying this, okay? But how do they get there? Well, I will tell you. Um, memo goes on to state, The four bottles of Pentide 400 by Squibb could be used to write or develop a secret ink message. And then there's a handwritten note on it that says, All out? Question mark. And not what are used in Cuba or Russia especially. Now, Articles that were picked up at the suspect's house, 1026 North Beckley, by Turner, Potts, Moore, and Sinkle. Search warrant 295 issued by Judge David Johnston. One pair of black shoes, one pair of brown shoes, one pair of thong shoes, one portable radio, a chi duct, one roll of wax paper, kitchen charm, several articles of clothing, towels, and washcloths, one pair of brown cotton gloves, one blue shaving kit, plastic-like cloth with zipper containing miscellaneous shaving articles and two boxes of Pentide 400 flavored penicillin powder. Now, why is that important? Okay. Um, let's see. I'm going to try to read this. It's It's in handwriting. It's about concerning item 324. These are just FBI notes. It says nothing unusual uh, of note about the book. Oh, I've, I've already read that part of it. Um, but it goes on to say papers 1 through 96, 113 through 176, 193 to 208, and 225 to 282 are printed on one kind of paper stock that fluoresces a light tan under UV light. Paper 97-112 exhibit a darker tan gray color when viewed similarly. Paper 177 through 192 and 209 through 224 fluoresce a brilliant blue-white. The possibility cannot be eliminated that one or more pages of the book have been treated to serve as sophisticated carbon 
for the preparation of secret ink messages. And this is from November 27th, 1963. Um, so it's very, very interesting. Very, very interesting to suppose, um, you know, that he was using a secret code using invisible ink and you know it's it's quite possible because because this pentide this penicillin powder um when mixed with other certain chemicals would you could write with it and it would dry clear and then when a heat or a light source you know that generated heat was applied to like the back of the paper, this ink would come back out. You know, it was just like, I don't know if they still have it or not, but when I was a kid, they used to have, you know, these, these little gag things like disappearing ink pens. You know, you could squeeze it on somebody's shirt as a joke and they'd get all pissed off and then it would go away because it was disappearing ink. Um, you know, they used to sell these in, in, in little gag stores. You know, I mean, you could find them next to the whoopee cushions or, you know, the little the little shock buzzers, stuff like that, you know. Um, fake dog poop, vomit, things like that. Um, you know, and everybody got a laugh out of it, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, this stuff does exist. And back then, you know, in 1963, Oswald would have thought that he was you know, some super secret spy using disappearing ink to, to hide messages. Now, the one criticism I do have of Oswald Code book is that there's no examples to be brought to the public to where he, AJ can say definitively, this is an invisible ink message. You know, when held up to the light, you can see it. Um, you know, it'd be interesting to know if any were found and what they actually said. Um, you know, this is just the FBI speculating um, because they knew that you could make invisible ink using this peptide powder mixed with uh, some other common household chemicals to make disappearing or invisible ink. And, it, you know, write secret things. Now, I would also go ask AJ Weberman, okay, well, if he had the ability to use disappearing ink or invisible ink, then why the complex code, you know, with the names and, and, you know, this and stuff, you know, like, like the one thing it says, like editorial director, but then Weberman says, no, no, it, it says Ed Torres, direct director, or or something like this. Instead of editorial, it's supposed to say Ed Torres, who I think he mixes up with Bernardo de Torres. But that's a whole other issue. Um, you know, another interesting thing. Okay, when you combine that, Oswald had a Minox camera, which is, let's face it, a spy camera for all intents and purposes. 
And you combine that with the fact that he had elements that could be used to mix together to make disappearing or invisible ink in his possession. And then you also have his reference to, in his address book, um, so before he left for Mexico City, Oswald prepared a resume of his radical activities as his bona fides for being granted interest into Cuba. He hinted he had done spy work for the Soviets involving microdots. He says, I have worked in the Jaggers Child Stovall Typographical Company at 522 Browder Street in Dallas, Texas. I worked from October 1st, 1962 to April 1st, 1962. Hmm. I am proficient in the photographic arts known as reverses, transpiracial line modifications, forgeries, squats, blow-ups, and miniaturizations, microdots. I have submitted and been commended for photo work for the party. I am familiar with layout and artwork and am acquainted with cold metal and hot metal processes in printing. Now, we have A, his tax returns from Jagger, Jagger Child Stovall's, B, letters commending photo work by the party. Um, now, Oswald's address book has, has the words microdots under Jagger Child Stovall's typography, the address, the phone number, and then it says microdots underneath of it. In October 1960, or 1962, Oswald asked uh, a fellow by the name of Dennis Ofstein. Uh, a guy who had been in the U.S. Army, he worked with the Jagger Child Stovall, if he knew what microdots were. And when Osteen answered no, Oswald told him that microdots are used as a means whereby a page of anything can be reduced down to a size smaller than a postage stamp. So it could be concealed under a postage stamp and could be used in espionage operations. Now, in the book... Weberman states that Hemming said it's like a reverse lithography work. I was raised in a dark room arrangement of the lenses. Microdot is a super dense step beyond microfilm. So then it goes on an FBI document dated October 2nd, 1964 revealed that the Bureau examined photographs of Oswald in the USSR and his Russian books from microdots. but found none among Oswald's possessions the Dallas Police Department discovered a pair of Russian binoculars. The binoculars could be reversed to shrink an image down, which is interesting. Okay. <laughs> and this makes me laugh. I'm sorry. There, there's a picture of Frank Sturgis in his pajamas. And Weberman has the caption, Frank's mom balls him out for killing Kennedy. You know, he's like sipping a, a cup of tea. It's just, you know, I don't know. It's some of this stuff is way, way out there. Um, you know, and like I said, the, the book is full of uh, documents and stories. And it does contain some good information. You know, it's just this whole code analysis thing. I just can't, 
I just can't get behind this steganography or whatever the hell it's called. Um, you know, but the, the, like I said, there's a lot of good pictures, high quality photographs in here. Um, you know, good stuff. And, uh, I, I'm not sure what to make out of a lot of it. Now, <laughs> you know, uh, Judith Baker, she claims a lot of things in uh, Lee Oswald's address book are about her. Such as, there is a picture, supposedly of a layout of her apartment in New Orleans. Um, now, in this one, in, in, in Weberman's book, he seems to think that the picture is actually a map of General Edwin Walker's house. Okay. Now, in April of 1963, supposedly Hemming convinced Oswald to take a pot shot at Walker. Because Hemming knew that after the JFK assassination, the uh, assassination attempt would, would rebound to General Walker's benefit. Walker was helping Hemming out with money throughout the spring and fall of 63, and Hemming had visited Walker and gave Oswald a floor plan of Walker's house. Hemming gave me a copy of one of his letters to General Walker. It says this. Uh, Jerry Patrick Hemming in care of Howard K. Davis, Miami, Florida, to General Edwin Walker, 4011 Turtle Creek Boulevard, June 28, 63. Please convey my best wishes to your family and friends. I hope this letter finds you enjoying good health and work. On behalf of the men that serve in our instructor teams and many others that serve in supporting roles, I want to convey the sincere gratitude of the entire paramilitary liaison group for your rapid response to call for assistance. I received the $600 via Western Union later in the evening, the same day of my telephone call. Yesterday, I received your check for the same amount, which I am enclosing for return. So, here we have proof that Walker is feeding money to Jerry Hemming mid-1963. And that supposedly, this drawing of General Walker's house in Oswald's address book came from Hemming, uh, or information provided by him. So, there's that. Now, an interesting thing... You know, he has a picture of a photograph of the back of General Walker's house that was uh, found among Oswald's possessions. You know, the famous one with the uh, car license plate cutout. Um, and it kind of does resemble a floor plan for the house. Um, as, as they're looking at it, um, there's even two crossing line that adjoins it as the window and seemingly more detailed drawing next to the door to the back room is General Walker's desk. Um, even on the drawing. So, you know, there's a lot of good, a lot of good little tidbits of, uh, of information here. A lot of good pictures that are really hard to find. 
that are high quality, <clears throat> such as you know, close up of the window frame, window sill of General Walker, uh, you know, where the bullet came in. You know, now supposedly there's a notation in Oswald's address book that says gun twenty-two. Now he thinks this is referencing the twenty-second of November. But there is many references to twenty-two, and this is from the Russian part of his address book. Um it appears to be someone's name. Uh, you know, I, there's no English whatsoever on this page except for what he says. It says gun. No, I don't. It could be anything, really. That's what I'm saying. When you know, when you're looking at some of this stuff, you know, I have no clue what the hell I'm looking at. Um, you know, could be anything. So, um, you know, but. But yeah, there's there's a lot of good stuff. You know, there's there's the uh, there's an affidavit, sheriff's department. You know, from some, two guys that said they saw somebody who was uh, at least six six or six seven, over two hundred fifty pounds. Uh, you know, walking with a uh, holding a rifle in a in a cloth gun or or leather and cloth gun bag um, on the streets of Dallas on Commerce Street. You know, indicating that. Possibly Hemming could have been in Dallas. Um, so, you know, a lot of good stuff in here. It's just it's just the whole steganography part of it that I really can't get behind again. Um, but I would I would recommend getting the book for the documents, for the pictures. Um, you know, it's just I wish I wish he would put, would have put all of the pictures that he got. Uh, from the Minox camera in the book because there's really only maybe two or three in the book there's a cover photo there's a picture of Oswald uh, supposedly in Russia you know with with a shotgun in front of him there's a couple more of you know beach scenes like Filipino beach scenes so stuff like that I wish there would have been more of those photos but it is what it is you know I'll let you guys decide <clears throat> the book is a relatively quick quick read it is a big large size book um You know, I guess it's printed on demand in Delaware. But uh, yeah, you know, if you're if you're into this kind of thing, you know, obscure books about the Kennedy assassination, or you just want to add to your collection, I would say do it. I've got it in mind now. It is, you know, the book is about 300 pages long, including the index. It's a nice big book, glossy cover. Like I said, good photos, documentation inside. And, you know, some interesting things in there to think about. You know, you got the invisible ink. You got uh, Minox camera undeveloped film. 
you know, and then they tried to go back and say that there was no Minox camera, that it was just a light meter, you know, but, uh, it says right there on the property uh, receipt, you know, rolls of undeveloped Minox film and an FBI letter proving that the FBI sent Weberman copies of this film. So, you know, take it for what you will and, uh, add it to the puzzle. Now, next week, folks, I got something big planned, and some people aren't going to like it, but it needs to be done, so make sure you tune in next week, because hopefully, if all goes well, it's going to, I'm going to actually have two guests on the show, a first for me, because I I don't think the Hemming-Kaiser thing was exactly... I was more like a referee, you know what I mean? Um, but this will be me and two other guys, and we will be talking and discussing uh, one of the most prominent figures associated with the case, Mr. Mark Lane. So make sure you tune in for that. You're not going to want to miss it. Head over to TLGpodcast.com for more about this show and to see pictures, uh, videos. I'll put links up to the uh, Weberman's websites. You know, I don't want him to sue me <laughs> for posting it, you know, any of his photographs or anything, but you know, if I get a cease and desist, I'll take them down. But, uh, you know, oh, it is what it is. Anyway, I just want to get that out there. Cause a lot of people have been asking me about, uh, what I, what I think about his book or him in general, his work associated with the case. And there you have it, folks. Um, in a nutshell, you know, I don't agree with his coup d'etat in America. Um, CIA did it. It's Hunt Sturgis assertions. And I'm not too sure about this book when it comes to the steganography part of it. Uh, but he does raise some interesting points, you know, with, with, uh, with what I mentioned, the invisible ink, the Minox film. I'm not sure about his Jerry Hemming uh, identification in this film, but if it is him, it raises, of course, some additional questions that will need to be answered in the future. So if anybody's got more information about this or you want to weigh in on it, feel free to shoot me a message, leave a message on the website, feel free to comment. And please, people, please, however you listen to this show, Show me that you're listening. Show me that you like it. Hit the like button. Give me a thumbs up. Leave me a favorable review on iTunes. Okay. If you're on, if you listen on Spreaker, click the little heart, heart button. You know, it get it just gets me exposure and gets the show more exposure. So more people see it and hear it. And hopefully soon I'll be on a new network. Um, not a totally new one, but. I'll be hopefully be added to a new uh, family of great podcasts uh, in the near future. So be looking out for that. I guess that's it, people. This some bitches in the can, beamed up to the satellite, down directly to your ears. Till next time. Peace. Benjamin Banger. 
freemusicarchive.org. right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. And update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 U.S. only. You do it right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. And update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 U.S. only.